ho, ho. Happy Halloween. Yeah, so in true Slew Rock fashion, uh, we've really lived up to our name of being the dumbest podcast in rock and metal and got kind of out of sorts with episodes at the moment. So here's our December to Halloween special. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, you wanted the best, you got the best. In strong language and metal content, the hottest podcast in the world, Slowly We Rock. Hey, is it, is it heaven? Is it hell? Don't ask me, I don't know. Welcome to Slowly We Rock, Metal's funnest and dumbest podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm here to guide you through our very first heavy metal face off. That's right, just like Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, we're going to take the face off of two classic mm. albums and put them head to head. This week, we are doing... Ozzy Osbourne's first solo album, Blizzard of Oz, and Black Sabbath's first Dio album, Heaven and Hell. So sit tight, relax, sit tight, I don't know, get ready to rock, it's going to be a lot of fun. Before we start, I am joined as usual by my best boys, and we're Dan. Hello. And Lewis. I, I, I. Oh, I like it. What's that weird sound that comes after that bit in it? It sounds uh, like I don't know the name of it, but it's like it's basically kind of like a. Uh, it looks almost like a, a small beehive made of yeah, wood. wood. Yeah, wood. Yeah, yeah. You get to play with them in music lessons in primary school, but I can't yeah. remember what it's called. Yeah, I can't remember for life. Me, I don't think I've also. I don't think I've ever ever heard one on any song, let alone a heavy metal song. That's why Ozzy's the best, you know. Yeah. Yeah, before we uh, start uh, getting amongst it, how are a we go -go. doing, guys? Yeah, Lewis. It's, it's an a-go-go. -go. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Uh, before we a-go-go into the albums, Lewis, how are you yeah. doing? Yeah, good. Good. Uh, I Tomorrow, uh, I don't want to brag, but uh, getting a, a new whip. Oh, talk yeah. to us about it. Well, uh, this is going to be a really, really fascinating chat. Free men talking about cars. You know? <laughs> well, I, we, we wait, could be the next no, one. You said, you said whip. Keep going. <laughs> I think you're going to get like an insight into Lewis's seedy life outside of the recording. <laughs> it's my cat and nine tails. Guys, can I end with James having to go, I didn't realise the camera could still see me. <laughs> uh, no, my, uh, my motility was up. Uh, it's due next month. Uh, but there's absolutely no way that my car is passing and it would just cost me a bunch more to take it to a place to then have to get them to fix it or else I guess they keep my car. I don't that, really know what that, happens in that situation. That's what, that's what they call a write-off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what they'll um, do is offer to buy it off you for uh, parts. Nothing. Yeah. For literally nothing. nothing, yeah. So I, I, <laughs> I tried some other place. Um I just drove, and like, I'll be honest, like it's it's really old. It's like fifteen years old. This car, uh, and it was it was inherited, uh, so it's done me an amazing stead. Um, but I haven't like washed it or anything during that time. So there's, there's actual like 
there's like moss growing like on the outside of the car. <laughs> there's like general kind of like foliage. Um, Is that good for your carbon so, footprint? Well, that's you what think? I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll absorb some of it. I think it will cover me from. If anyone's trying to get me from above, I don't think they'll be able to clock that I'm not just more grass. <laughs> good, excellent. Yeah, exactly. You got to think about your get-out plan. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's what Sterling Moss was promoting the entire <sighs> time. That's why he changed his <sighs> name. God damn it! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I took it to a place to see if I could sell it, and he, he he looked at it and then just looked back at me and just shook his head. I went <laughs> nothing. He was like. 30 quid I was like oh that's fair enough wow yeah, alright Jesus um, so yeah the, the brakes haven't really been working on it for a very long time Um, I got them fixed a couple of months ago and it's just gone to shit so I've been driving around with like not really any brakes for a while uh, and the car mostly also fills up with water on the inside it's like constantly damp it's disgusting I'm uh, sure you're driving one of those like Flintstone cars <laughs> <laughs> I th- honestly i think i'd be able to stop it better with my feet than with the brakes that are in it at the minute uh so yeah what what was kind of annoying things i don't really care about cars um i'm now actually really excited about because i just keep thinking like oh yeah well every time that i've had to drive recently when i put my foot on the brake and not a lot happens jesus cool that's that's not going to be the case yeah. i'm going to have a car that i can just stop when i want to stop it i find driving with you like quite a nerve-wracking experience as it is. <laughs> i don't believe that's fair uh no well it's because i knew you for the longest time when you just weren't driving and then you turn up in a car one day <laughs> and it was just it it just put me on edge a little bit uh and to know that you're doing that without any working brakes is just like again, I'm more concerned about my safety than yours, but like, <laughs> it's it's worrying. So I'm glad you're getting this new car. Yeah, it's so so that's exciting. So um, other than that, it's well, I guess by the time people are listening to this, I have. Uh, by the way, uh, if if you're listening to this right now, we have a few episodes in the bank, so mm. I have absolutely no idea what order this shit is coming out in. No, it's very 2020 of us, I think, just confusion <laughs> over time and how fast yeah. it goes. Yeah. Like, for those wondering, we did at one point, again, who knows what it's going to be at, but we talked about the new Deftones album, which is the kind of thing we normally dedicate an episode to. Oh, yeah. Oh, we God, did, yeah. yeah. Deftones that, that Idols, a, wasn't it? Yeah, and Idols, yeah. So uh, that all got a, a mention. Um, that's somewhere. We watched somewhere. Uh, the Def Leppard film. Has that gone out? That, that I went think out, that's gone yeah. out. Yeah. That's oh, thank God out. for that. Because I was wasting my time that day. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I guess whenever this is up, filming this, it's spooky day uh, in two days' time. Yes, Ooh. Halloween. It's yeah. Halloween. So have you? What, have you guys been doing anything? Um, anything? Getting the spooky mood? Uh, living through twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, no, just watching. You know, films and. I don't know, it's weird, like, there's no, I can't imagine, maybe people will dress up for Halloween this year for work, but I just, I couldn't bring myself, the idea of me sat at my table in my own living room, on my own, <laughs> dressed as Frankenstein or something, even if you're like in a group video call, so it looks good at that point, because st- I live on my own, you're still sat on your own, doing spreadsheets or whatever, dressed like Frankenstein, you know? Yeah, even, like even putting on your makeup the... just to go to the living room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in an age where I can't be bothered to put on trousers, 
before I start working. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not getting, like... That's got nothing to do with lockdown now, has it? Yeah. It's not, yeah. It's, it's the reason why I had to work from home last year. Good couple of years on this. <laughs> I mean, um, this is the perfect opportunity, though, to do the the perfect Donald Duck costume. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or we need a poo. Or we need a poo. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, there's there's an option for you now. I've watched a few horror movies. Haven't got any red t-shirts? Ah, uh, well, fuck it then. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Yeah, stupid <laughs> idea that is. <laughs> hey, if you order on a ASOS now, it may arrive in time for tomorrow. So, good. Don't think about the labour practices, but it'll be there. <laughs> um, you know I Jimmy, re- you said you've been watching some spoopies. I rewatched um, The Exorcist. Brilliant. Ooh. Um, Best. Which is still, yeah, still really good. Um, I hadn't, do you know, I, it's almost been like 20 years since I watched it. Like I watched it when I was really young. I was like oh, 13 wow. or something like that when I watched it. Uh, and I watched it the day, the, the night, in fact, before I went to France on a school trip. And then I was like, that wasn't that scary. And then like had little nightmares on the coach. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, awesome movie. Um, I don't think I've seen a movie escalate so much with the arrival of a single character than the exorcist and, uh, and he's only um, in it for um 25 minutes 25 right? minutes yeah because yeah. you the, the movie starts off like it's in the middle east with max von Sydow's character yeah. uh doing like an archaeological dig then it goes to like a it was, i think it's set in like washington dc isn't it uh, yeah, it's, it's that, uh, set in georgetown georgetown yeah that, um, yeah that archaeological dig bit as well the best. just the the atmosphere yeah, when he's looking the at the statue thing. of Pazuzu. Oh, yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, man, yeah, love it but so then, much. It's then you you get to um, yeah the stuff in Washington DC in the build up, and there's it's like a little bit of a sort of slice of life sort of drama, and yeah. um, it's just got filmed in that kind of like sort of like gritty seventies way. You know, like there'll be a couple walking along, then there'll be like a long zoom in and them you know them chatting, but it's a super slow burn and like a huge part of the movie is then working out like, Oh, okay. How do we diagnose what's going on with this girl? It's not, you know, the actual exorcism itself happens in the last, yeah, 20, 25 minutes of the movie. Mm. Max von Sydow turns up and the movie just cranks from like naught to yeah. 11, like, you know, straight away. And like the, all the iconography from the movie, everything that's made that sort of like stand the test of time just hits you in those last 20 minutes. It's absolutely incredible. I love it. It's yeah. just so good. Absolutely and I think that's, awesome that's why it works so well as well, is that it's it's not a, it's not a film about possession, right? It, that's a big part of the film, but it's it's a, f- a film about like that family drama and the effects that what this girl's going through has on the mum. Mm-hmm. And it like it's there's so much more to it. It's actually like character-driven. You care about all of these characters. Oh, that's because if, if you want to look at it like metaphorically allegorical or it's like an allegory like because you've got this girl who's basically she's like a preteen, right she's pretty yeah. young or yeah, maybe it's puberty, isn't it yeah about to hit puberty and then all of a sudden like you know the the sudden change like the sexuality is like shocking as it is yeah in that all sort of like this mum having to all deal with it in the space of like you know overnight or whatever and I was like, okay, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I'm, The Exorcist has been written to death about, like, it's, you know, it's an iconic horror movie. But, like, I was like, yeah, there's some really interesting stuff in there, which obviously when I watched it all those years ago, you just didn't pick up on it before I was watching it for, like, the shock value, you know? Yeah. Um, the fact that all of this stuff is happening on camera as well, you know, like the bed moving and, like, the puke and stuff like that, you know, all of the practical effects. It's just, 
yeah, it's uh, it's a masterpiece. Um, and it got me thinking, yeah, William Friedkin, who directed it, had like a real good little run of movies because he did The French Connection before that. And then he did a movie called Sorcerer afterwards, which uh, I guess is most famous for like The Simpsons parody. Yeah, with when, uh, Mr. Plough, isn't it? With Mr. Plough and Homer yeah. on the Mountain. Uh, but like they're three just absolutely incredible films. Uh, yeah, so uh, I also watched uh, your recommendation, Friday the 13th Part 2 as well. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, and, uh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did, yeah. It's really well made. Um, Yes, it really, again, like, it's, uh, I guess, okay, what would have been early 80s it came out, but it's got that like, 70s feel to it. Like, yes. it's the beginning when uh, you've got the survivor from the first movie and she's, like, kind of at home alone and the camera just follows her around the house and you know she's going to get killed, just waiting for it, but it's the way mm. the tension builds up. And yeah. it's what I love about, like, the original Halloween as well. It's just, they're movies that just let the tension ramp up. Well, the first... I can't remember how many. I think it's the first four are all set over like one or two weeks. It, yeah. Because he picks yeah. up more and more knocks and injuries throughout each episode or each film. That's cool. And I think that's why four is <laughs> number four out of a 12 film franchise is called the final chapter. Uh, it's not the final chapter. Spoiler but, alert. But little but in fact, it's not even in fat nouns. It's not even the only Friday the 13th movie to have final in its title. No, because there's the, yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. It's, um, the one where they can't use the word Friday is uh, Jason Goes to Hell for Final Friday. Yeah. So they get, they get around using Friday the 13th by calling it that instead. Uh, uh, and um, then you've got, after that one is... Um, next Friday. Freddy vs. Jason. Next. They really, next Friday. Yeah. Freddy vs. Jason, they really ramp up how often Freddy uses the word bitch. <laughs> uh, he doesn't use it much in the first few Nightmare on Elm Streets um, and then by that one which obviously is the last Nightmare on Elm Street from that run uh, he uses bitch all the time he's, all, he's like Rick James that's why in that Rick and Morty episode that's why Scary the... Terry always says bitch and it's yeah. not really it's also not that much um, exaggerated to be honest um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, it's really weird watching the evolution of Freddy Krueger from... Because let's not forget, he's heavily, heavily implied to be um, a paedophile and child molester. Yeah. Uh, from He's he's very scary in the first one and not particularly funny. And then you get to number three, which I really like, which is... Um, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. And he's starting to say stuff like, primetime bitch and stuff like that. And he's killing people. <laughs> that was, but that that's the only amazing. time he says it, I think, in that one. He might only say bitch then. But after that, it just ramps up. He starts becoming this like one man quip master. Yeah. Which is, is it, is it New Nightmare where he raps? Uh, New Nightmare's the self aware one. So New Nightmare's where Wes Craven's in it as himself directing. Yeah. And you, and Freddy's haunting his dreams. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So self aware is like Wes Craven's career in a nutshell, right? Like, uh, yeah. Well, it came back, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. With, yeah. um, when you get onto um, Scream, Scream well. yeah. yeah. so I, I would love to go back and watch actually I've not watched it in forever and mm. um, I remember it blew my mind uh, when I first watched it which is funny because I think I watched it before I'd watched a lot of the movies that inspired it or it was making a commentary on mm. oh I did um, I did I think because at that point it was like it was the it kind of brought horror into the mainstream again right so it was like this exciting new same as like i guess blair witch did um it's this exciting new horror so you're a kid and there's this really really scary film that everyone's talking about it's so violent and it was like 
it, that was the thing, right? Fast was so good because it wouldn't be good if it if it if it only worked because it referenced other horror films. It wouldn't be very good. But the fact yeah. you can watch it and not have any knowledge of the questions that um, Ghostface is asking everybody doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you can just enjoy it as a horror film in, in and of itself. Uh, after watching that movie, I vowed never to make popcorn on the hob because I thought <laughs> be guaranteed to be stabbed in my own home. But you'll only um, exit your house through a doggy door, is that right? That's what I'm <laughs> so you haven't I got, I got one to... installed the moment I saw that movie. You didn't even have a dog. <laughs> uh, we've been... Um, uh, just because, yeah, I, I watched a, a thing on Red Letter Media playing... Uh, they were discussing the Friday 13th sequels. Mm. I was like, shit, yeah, I've I kind of written off, like, a lot of them because well, of how ridiculous it gets. Yeah. Um, Tommy. But, but then I, I was like, okay, actually, I'm going to check these out because, like, the first three are great. Uh, three is... Jim, if you've not seen three, mm. it it's very subtle, <laughs> but it was originally screened in 3D. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh man it's like the entire film they might as well be like just talking to the camera but the 3D really gets in the way of the film so often it's incredible <laughs> like every yeah. opportunity uh, but it's really good fun like one and two are like actual films um, <laughs> four's great four's a really really good one I really like four if you're looking for just kind of like everything about Friday 13th in one film mm. four's the perfect place just to like Try it. What would you say? What defines a Friday the Thirteenth movie? Because well, I, I, I like in my head initially, I always thought it was like a a bit of a rip off of the original Halloween. Um, yeah, so it it came as part, the first one's like, like it came as part it. of that. Okay, yeah, it it definitely came as part of that, and I think that was where it all started. Um, but you know, like the whole thing with. Um, like if if someone has sex in a film, in a horror film, they're gonna die. Like that comes from pretty much the Friday Thirteenth films, right? And there's a reason for it. In that is that when Jason's mum's killing these counselors, it's because her little boy. Well, yeah, <laughs> her little boy died because they're all off fucking, right? Okay. So there's like an actual motive, and then for some reason Jason picks that up, and that's fine because it's the same franchise and ages. <laughs> Yeah, doesn't yeah. age depending on whether that's a dream or not at the end of the first one um yeah so th- then it like they're just really good fun and they mm. they get so ridiculous but they also get super self-aware so uh five is i really enjoyed it i'd heard nothing but shit things about five mm. and i had so much fun with it um it, it, it's it sound like everyone talks as if they're in some kind of grindhouse film. Like every other word is just absolute filth from every character's mouth, uh, and it's brilliant. And then six is excellent. Six is really good. Uh, which one's six? Is that the one with Tommy? Uh, it's, not, it's not Corey Feldman, is it? It's no, it's uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's he's the best Tommy Jarvis. He's really really good. Um, but. Six is where everything goes batshit because uh, he basically wants to make sure that Jason's dead, so oh, he goes to visit that's the grave. So fucking stupid, yeah. But it's it's so much fun though that film. It's so cool. Uh, I feel like I may have asked this on the podcast before. I think we've covered. Yeah, yeah we've we have definitely talked about but this before. That probably not in fact. But that there's definitely a movie where someone. I don't want to say, but does someone like fuck Jason's corpse or something like that? 
Am I imagining this? Yeah. I feel like there is like yeah, some, you, I haven't seen some that necrophilia <laughs> that happens in one of them that brings Jason back to life or something no, random like that. He dig- no, someone goes to dig him up. Okay. To prove that he's dead. And when they're doing so, lightning strikes their shovel, I believe. Mm-hmm. And no, it's a, Jay- part of, it's a part of the, uh, the cemetery gates. Oh, and then it resurrects Jason because lightning brings him back to life. But you Which know they establishing that one, and then they just keep that up because there's another one where <laughs> he's buried at the bottom of a lake, and a passenger boat because they're now doing Crystal Lake boat tours for some reason uh, <laughs> cuts an underwater wire, and again the light, the electricity from the wire brings him back to life. But that one, Nelms. Mm. Um, so when when he's resurrected by the lightning, the director of that is like a huge... I don't know if he's... He might have been... I don't know if he's involved with... I can't remember who the guy is, but he was a huge, huge fan of all the old Universal horror movies. Mm. So it's like chock full of references. So they wanted to do that scene, so it's like a Frankenstein reference. No, yeah, definitely. um, And if you look at how a lot of it's shot as well, you get like these really, really kind of clear old Universal horror kind of uh, landscapes and that. And it it looks really cool. But I think that one is super self-aware. Um... I think is it that one as well where the there's the old it is there's an old drunk guy uh, who talks directly breaks the fourth wall and he's basically saying it's like yeah. yeah it's like people have a funny idea of what entertainment is these days and then just look straight at the camera I know he's going to be like crazy Ralph or something like that, isn't he but yeah. like yeah it's amazing how many um, horror movies like that fine line between like well I guess it's um, Sam Raimi's bread and butter but like the line yeah. between like horror and comedy comes out and as long as those franchises go on the funnier they kind of become. I, I was thinking about Drag Me to Hell today, actually, just how great that film is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to that's the that perfect one. balance of being pretty horrifying and upsetting at times and then also mm. really funny in the next hey, moment. Speaking of Drag Me to Hell, Heaven and Hell. Oh. Nailed it. <laughs> Home run. That's right, yeah. Where let's, let's, get, uh, let's face the music and talk about our first ever Slowly We Rock face-off. So... This is thing I've been quite excited to do for a while now because of just that weird... We, we'd kind of talked about how 1980 was such a huge year for uh, hard rock and heavy metal. And we'd covered a couple of classic albums before. We've done Iron Maiden's debut and we've also covered Judas Priest's British Steel at one point, both of which came out in 1980. But in like the weirdest of weirdy times, both Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath released new albums where they completely reinvent themselves. Hang on, Jim. Oh, hang on. Isn't Ozzy Osbourne in Black Sabbath? (laughs) Dun, dun, dun! (laughs) That's right, yes. Uh, So, I guess uh, before before we get into weeds, I'll just sort of set up the concept. But basically, we, we find ourselves with an Ozzy Osbourne album and a Black Sabbath album where Ozzy doesn't sing on it. Both come out within a few months of each other in 1980. Uh, what? They literally, they literally come out about six months apart. Um, they both are about eight tracks long, and they're both like considered like kind of like reinventing the wheel for like respective like artists. Uh, so what I thought would be good would be just to kind of go through those albums, just kind of comparing, contrasting, and seeing who comes out on top in our first ever. Heavy metal face-off. Ah, oh. are you ready, gentlemen? Yes. Cool. Uh, yes. So, 
yeah, this isn't a game or anything like that. There's no rules. It's just we're literally going to go through the album chat and chat about Ozzy and Sabbath. It's going to be fun. Uh, and <laughs> or we're just going to argue for 30 minutes. <laughs> also a possibility, yeah. Um, so, for a little bit of context, Ozzy Osbourne, we all know him, we all love him, we talk about him constantly. One day, I think Dan and Lewis will go see him live, but... Um, uh, we'll <laughs> keeping see. my fingers crossed. When, when's the tour been rescheduled for? Uh, 2022. That's optimistic. And now, and now we've got the villain of time involved <laughs> yeah. as well. Because I mean, I assumed it was cancelled, but I don't think they officially announced anything until like two days before. Um, so you just holding out hope. You had people online getting really annoyed that it had been cancelled at the last minute, and I was like, mm, surely you knew this wasn't going to be going ahead, even if they hadn't officially said anything. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it had already been postponed way before. Um, I think it was 2018, wasn't it originally? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Jesus. So we'll see. Fingers this money, the money you spent on your tickets has been put into a Ponzi scheme. Just so you know. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Would not surprise me in in the uh, slightest. So, um, so for a bit of context, we've talked about Aussie before. We've talked about Sabbath before. Yeah, you, know, you can't do a hard rock and heavy metal podcast and be fifty something episodes in without talking about the, that, uh, these two. No, of course. Uh, together. Um, 1970, Black Sabbath's self-titled debut album comes out, and it basically changes the game. It w- within one album, it basically invents an entire genre of music. Um, a very Hammer Horror-influenced heavy blues sound with a focus on the occult, with uh, a different style of riffing, just sort of like comes out of nowhere, or Birmingham to be precise, with uh, Ozzy Osbourne on vocals, Tony Iommi on guitar, Geezer. Gazer Butler on bass <laughs> <laughs> and um, Bill Ward on the drums. Uh, cut to 10 years later and both bands are kind of reinventing themselves again and changing the game uh, because in 1979, Ozzy Osbourne was either kicked out or left Black Sabbath uh, due to creative differences and I imagine some sort of substance influence uh, and decided <laughs> to go solo uh, Black Sabbath still wanted to continue getting a new vocalist. They get Ronnie James Dio, uh, who had sung for Rainbow, mm. uh, which was like a spin off from Deep Purple. So all of these bands are completely connected very intricately. Um, they get him in at the recommendation of Sharon Osbourne, funnily enough, who hadn't become Ozzy's either manager or wife at the time. That's really just very. She's yeah. very lucky to have already had the, the same names. So they didn't have to get any legal documents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, must yeah, have saved a lot of money doing that. It's spelled, it's spelled with a Z, so yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, Sabbath's manager at the time was Sharon Osbourne's dad. Don who, Arden. Don Arden, yeah, mm. legendary uh, manager and promoter who had actually tried to encourage him to get back with Ozzy, uh, but Sharon had convinced him to get Ronnie James Dio in. Uh, Ozzy then decides to go solo and puts together a band which features the guitar... Hang on, Jim. Hang on, oh. Jim. Before you, before you get into that, um, you say that Sharon Osbourne influenced Dio joining Sabbath? It, apparently, apparently, according to I Legend, did not know that It all. was her suggestion to get Dio in because Dio had been with Rainbow, I guess parted ways of Rainbow, and was a singer about a band, and Ozzy... And so Sabbath was a band about a singer. Ah, okay. yeah. 
Very strange, isn't it? That is um, fair play. That is a Sharon Osbourne long con, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Ozzy puts together his own solo band, which also features the a young guitar virtuoso by the name of Randy Rhodes. Mm. Um, Lewis, could you tell us a little bit about Randy Rhodes? Yeah, uh, Randy Rhodes uh, was a phenomenal. Uh, ph- uh. It was a phenomenal young player um, who just really, really caught Ozzy's eye. Apparently, uh, I can't remember who the guy was, but some guy that was friends with Ozzy when he was trying all these guitarists, he, he was traveling all over the world just to find a guitarist. Uh, evidently, he didn't want to do any of that, uh, but Sharon made him. <laughs> so for the majority of it, he was drunk and he just couldn't be bothered. And this guy caught him and said, look, I've, I've got the guy that you need to see. Um so then the next day, Ozzy was absolutely hammered in a hotel room. Uh, and there's this knock on the door. And this guy brought this this tiny little blonde boy to the door. He's like, this is, uh, this is Randy and he wants to play some guitar for you. And Ozzy said he just had no idea what was going on. <laughs> uh, so he came in and Ozzy said he has no idea what happened, but something about it just blew him away. So he arranged to go and see him the next day sober. Uh, and oh, I've got the just... quote if you want to hear it. Oh yeah, have you got it? Yeah. <laughs> so here's, Aussie, here's Aussie's quote about the audition. Uh, he played the he played. Let's try again. He played this fucking solo, and I'm like, am I that fucking stoned? Or am I hallucinating? Or what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah, and Randy, um, he's a classical guitarist initially. Um, so he did a lot of kind of like finger style stuff um, and had roots within more classical genres. So then when he paired that up with a big, ripping, soaring old electric guitar, you get this really, really interesting combination. Um, and what's now the kind of the done thing is being neoclassical. But mm. Randy was really like a pioneer of that whole of that whole sound and uh, genre. Um, I feel like because he, he died tragically young at 25, yeah. like in 1982. Yeah. So his time in the spotlight wasn't very really long, but... You wonder if he'd, you know, been able to get a uh, a few more albums under his belt. Yeah, you know, we'd be talking about. I mean, we kind of do already, but he'd be talked about in a very. He kind of is, but like in a very similar vein to like Eddie Van Halen as like one of those yeah. huge like game changers in terms of guitar playing, right? Yeah, it's all about lost potential, isn't it? It's uh, you never know. And his um his influence on Ozzy as well was unreal because he obviously having way more of the kind of music theory that sabbath didn't have none of them Mm. were classically trained right they were just some guys jamming out that love music so he brought all of these new elements to ozzy so with like songwriting and um just arrangements so even like including harmonies thinking about tonality thinking about all these different elements that ozzy hadn't really been exposed to before um so he massively influenced his actual songwriting process and I i think it's really sweet actually just how much ozzy loves him like even to this day, no matter. He, I mean, he's had Zach Wild play for him. He's had Jakey Lee play for him. He's had some of the best guitarists on the planet. Mm. And there's just something incredibly special about the relationship he had with Randy Rhodes. Yeah, definitely. I guess um, as we'll kind of get into, like Randy was the thing that kind of brought it all together. Also, he was trying to get his own solo band together, but you know, he had to get like a shit hot guitarist. And I think without him, like obviously his solo stuff would not have had the same impact, right? Nope. Um, and I think it also kind of set the tone for like what he's done the rest of his career, 
where like he's always been very good at finding someone very you know young and talented, kind of hungry to sort of pair up with and give a platform to. Like uh, was Zach Wild. Zach Wild was what even younger, I think, when he joined. He was like still a teenager. It was yeah, it was back when he was pretty. It was that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dan, uh, mm. how would you describe Ronnie James Dio as a singer? Uh, short but powerful, I would say, because <laughs> uh, he famously is quite a small was quite a small man. Um, yeah. but he just fucking belts it out, doesn't he? I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's almost like a stereotypical like heavy metal singer from like a I don't know like a cartoon or something, you know? It, oh yeah, like I don't know. He's just amazing. I just love him. You can and imagine he, him standing on a mountain, uh, yeah, exactly. waving a sword just to get yeah. a better view. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, he's amazing. His voice is just power, isn't it? It's just um, I don't really know. It's just. It's just Ronnie James Deere, isn't he? It's really hard to. He's kind. He's kind of. He's he's like Ozzy in that he is just kind of an institution. Right? Absolutely, that's what I mean. Mm. He's 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 sort of yeah. He's his own thing, isn't he? Mm. I think one of my favourite things about Ronnie James Dio uh, was the fact that no one truly knew how old he was for years. <laughs> he's, like, he's got proper Tommy Wiseau vibes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and that, um, I think he may have lied about his age at one point, but also like just recordings of him from like decades before kept turning up uh when he was in all sorts of bands like it's the kind of spinal tap joke where you see them as like the uh the new originals (laughs) (laughs) and they're playing that that, like british invasion sound and then they reinvent themselves (laughs) like a flower power hippie band and i think dio had done all of that before he'd kind of found his niche within heavy metal no definitely there's photos of him out there looking like sort of 50s rock and roll and that sort of thing like yeah like a buddy holly kind of vibe to exactly like the quiff and stuff like that so knowing (laughs) that we were going to do this today i actually looked up because i was like i have no image in my head of what ronnie james dio it's like like tommy lee tommy lee has never been young right he's always been uh, not tommy lee Tommy Lee Jones, sorry. Tommy Lee has been young. Tommy Lee was the definition <laughs> of young, dumb and full of gum. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones was born a 40-year-old man. Yes. Uh, so so today I was like, oh yeah, okay. Dio, 80s. Like, no, he's still he's still definitely middle-aged. Okay, yeah. Dio 70s. N- no. <laughs> like, yeah. It's maybe a bit of Keanu Reeves syndrome. Like reverse Keanu Reeves, whereas Keanu Reeves just like doesn't age. Dio is just like born old. Yeah, Keanu Reeves doesn't age until he's asked to say excellent again. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm actually looking at a photo of like a young, like Tommy Lee Jones's like high school graduation photo, and I still feel like I would call him sir. <laughs> yeah, definitely, you definitely would. That's uh... yeah. Uh, Dio's definitely got that vibe to him. Um, so, uh, Lewis, this is one of I won't say it's your first time, but like, first time you've really sunk your teeth into heaven and hell, right? Yeah, um, I've, I've heard like a few tracks from it. Um, I've, ne- I've never really been interested in Dio Era Sabbath. I think there's maybe a lot that I'm, I've been missing out on. Mm. Um, and I was thinking today, I was like, oh, there's, there's a couple of tracks from that era that I just absolutely love. Uh, and then I realised it was Tony Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, shit, let's get started then. Yeah, so right. uh, we'll start with Heaven and Hell because it came out first. Track number one, Neon Knights. Martin uh, Birch, you mean, not Tony Martin. No, to- Tony Martin. Tony uh, Martin, yeah, sang for... Um, 
Sabbath. Sabbath. Oh, sorry, well. right. I'm with you now. Sorry, I thought you meant yeah. Sorry, yeah. Are you Mo- thinking? Are you thinking of the one from? Is that is it the House Martins and Beautiful South? Is no, that Martin also Birch Tony pro- Martin? Pro- no, Martin Birch produced Heaven and Hell. Sorry. I just want to say. Martin, sorry. This, oh, you didn't. Sorry, you didn't say the Starfish. I don't know might, who you mean. This might sum up Tony Martin's <laughs> career as a singer. If you Google Tony <laughs> Martin. He's the second result after, after Tony, farmer? Tony Martin, the farmer, who mm. shot a burglar dead in his home in August of 1999. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't, that's the first person I thought of, to be fair. Um. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, before we start, just I'm going to give a rundown of the tracks. Um, Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell has got Neon Knights, Children of the Sea, Lady Evil, Heaven and Hell. Side two is Wishing Well, Die Young, Walk Away, and Lonely is the World. No, Lonely is the Word, I should say. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne's Blizzard of Oz has got side one, I Don't Know, Crazy Train, Goodbye to Romance, an interlude called D, mm. and then Suicide Solution. And side two is Mr. Crowley, No Bone Movies, Revelation Mother Earth, and Steal Away the Night. Um... So, yeah, let's start with Neon Knights, um, the opening song in Heaven and Hell. What do you guys think? Like, this, this doesn't feel like Sabbath, does it? No. No, it feels like a Ronnie James Dio song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's no. really... I, I totally get this, why you were so reluctant to get into Dio era Sabbath, because that Aussie era is so iconic, right? Yeah, um, I, th- I think in this track you can still hear a lot of, I guess guitar-wise it's still kind of got that kind of like paranoid vibe. Mm. Um, yeah. It's still, I think I think there's still a lot of Sabbath in there, but I think it's a bit more, it feels a bit more stock, right, in like the chord changes. Like it's, it's a lot less evil, actually. Mm. In fact, that's probably how I describe this album. It's a lot less evil. Yeah, which is kind of funny because like, in terms of like lyrics, he's going like real high fantasy as well. Yeah, and I think that's another thing that actually put me off a lot of the the Sabbath stuff. Sometimes I find Dio's lyrics to be a little hmm hmm. hmm. He, he's a master of saying it all without really saying much of anything. Yeah, he like, paints a nice picture, but there's, yeah, there's no substance like, to it. He paints a nice picture, and it's always a dragon. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like uh, he, he loves to use like lots of mixed like metaphors and allegories, um, and they're all it's all very sort of like philosophical. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he's kind of asking you if you want like a cheese or ham sandwich. I do you know what, actually I I would say it's not very philosophical at all. He's just <laughs> describing fantasy shit. Like, I, think, I think for the most part, and all respect to Dio, the man's amazing. But I think <laughs> lyrically, he's just a a better uh, music from the elder by Kiss. Yeah, right. I mean that's damning with faint praise. That really is because like, I because I, I just for the record, I think this album is absolutely incredible and i was like a real latecomer to it as well like i oh really yeah i i did was like no i'm not interested in black sabbath that was the osborne doesn't count and i finally listened to this album and it genuinely blew me away i had such a good time listening to it Mm. um because like it's great songs on it but i think it was dio's voice yes Um, his his voice he sounds so fucking good on this 
yeah incredible like, just flawless absolutely belts it away um dan what do you reckon uh yeah i really really like this album um my dad had a cassette of it in a car when we were little so i'm very familiar with it from like i probably heard this before i heard a lot of ozzy osbourne um oh, really? was, just because it was you know in in on car journeys and stuff um but no i think it's great i think mean, i like neon Nights. i like it. it's quite a it's quite a punchy opening song as well um yeah when a lot of sabbath I, I, openers were a little slower normally i think it's quite a smart move to do a different style because dio is a very different style of singer to ozzy osbourne and i think if they were trying to just emulate what they'd been doing for last however many albums it was it wouldn't have worked and i think yeah that's a really good point it makes it a better transition by because i think they wrote well they started writing a lot of this album while they weren't sure whether ozzy was in or out the band yeah they um, did which is interesting because i can't imagine ozzy singing some of these tracks Mm-mm. some of them i can but some of them yeah. don't feel like his at all so i think um just for the sake of clarity because it might be a bit uh tricky for anyone who's not heard these albums before to go bouncing back and forth between the two records we'll go through heaven and hell first then we'll yeah. go through blizzard of Oz, so we don't yeah. also like get too sidetracked because i was going to say funnily enough um Tony Iommi claims to have a recording of Ozzy doing Children of the Sea. Uh, see, that, that was the one that I would have said immediately. I was like, okay, yeah, I can actually see Ozzy yeah, doing... That's what I was thinking of when I was saying that just now was Children yeah. of the Sea. Um, but, uh, Why would yeah, he release that if he has that? Right, exactly. They're all friends uh, again, aren't they? So... <laughs> but uh, apparently, maybe it's yeah, really the lyrics bad. are totally different as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's like... I guess sat on like a tape somewhere in a basement in uh, in one of Tony's uh, mansions. He's just never released it, which I think is baffling because I'm sure people would like absolutely be like dying to hear that that tune. Yeah, um, and it's a well-regarded song as well. It's not even like a a bad song, and then that's why they're not releasing any other versions of it or anything. It would be so interesting to hear that. Yeah, completely. I think it's one of my favourites because that's when like you just get to hear. Um, Dio really belt it out though. Yeah, like, he really leans into the big bits, doesn't he? On this one, he absolutely flexes. Like again, lyrically, who knows what the hell he's singing about? Because Nothing. it's Dio. Yeah, what are children <laughs> of the sea? Like, is he literally talking about a school of fish or something? I don't know. Oh, yeah, nice. nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very inclusive. Exactly. Well, it's, not, uh, it's not another bloody song about mer people, is it, Dio? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ronnie, stop talking about the fucking mer people. <laughs> uh, I was being uh, all of Black Sabbath then, by the way. Yeah, obviously. No, yeah, yeah, okay, it. Good. Good. No, good, good. Yeah, it upsets me that like Geezer Butler <laughs> isn't actually a Cockney. He's like, Geezer Butler. <laughs> Geezer. It's like the most Cockney name ever, Geezer Butler. Geezer Butler. <laughs> <laughs> EastEnders character. <laughs> <laughs> Puffy face Danny Dyer looking confused as he steps into the Queen Vic. <laughs> or Geezer Butler is a sitcom where someone from the East End of London Danny Dyer. proves some, some some convoluted thing becomes a butler for a rich person. Um, Love it. A bit like uh, Intouchables, you know. He's a Cockney butler that teaches some rich old woman about life or something. Do you want to see like a Mr. Deeds 2 where uh, no. the, the, but, the butler is played by <laughs> Danny Dyer? <laughs> Maybe. No, because then he'd be replacing John Turturro, so no. 
Okay, I guess good, good looks. Uh, in the misty morning, on the edge of time, we've lost the rising sun, a final sign. As the misty morning rolls away to die, reaching for the stars, we blind the sky. Huh? Then it's like we sailed across the air before we learned to fly. Before it can never end, we glide above... The... I... Again, I don't know how much of this is metaphorical. How I much think he was hoping literal. no one was going to look. Like, it just sounds nice while you're listening to it. It's, it's so... It, do you know what? It's, it's like um, we talked about on Death Leopard's Hysteria, right? Don't think about what Joe Elliott's singing... It's just how he sings it with the hooks and the yes. Yeah. And it just completely works. Exactly. Like, yeah. If you, were, I agree. you know, you get like some, uh, some singer songwriters who will like occasionally like publish books, like all their lyrics. And you're like, oh my God, like Bruce Springsteen, just amazing storyteller or Bob Dylan or something like that. Like it's almost like, em- it's like Emperor's <laughs> New Clothes. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, uh, swimming pool thing, isn't it? Uh, the kids, kids paddling pool where it's a, uh... You know, two meters wide and an inch deep. <laughs> um, follow that up with Lady Evil. Uh, again, this 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 is also a, another absolute banger of a song, though. I love it, but it also you could think- easily you could tweak it into a Cliff Richard song. <laughs> like Devil Woman. Do you know what I mean? Like Devil Woman or one of those. It, it's definitely on that line. Of and there's some ACDC songs which are a bit similar, but obviously ACDC are a lot bawdier with it. <laughs> yeah, no Lady Evil, Evil he's still going on about Witch's Valley, and maybe <laughs> yeah. that's a metaphor. I don't know. Uh, but... There's a there's a place just south of Witch's Valley uh, where they the... say the wind won't blow, and they only speak in wh- this could be Spinal Tap, and they only speak in whispers of a name. There's a lady they say who feeds the darkness. It eats right from her hand, and with a crying shout, will search you out and freeze oh. you where you stand. This Lady one makes more evil. sense. He's literally evil. singing about a witch. She's a magical, mystical woman. So when you first started that, it sounded like it was a, a bit of a saucy metaphor, perhaps for a butthole. Uh, but then they quickly dropped into just being about a witch. <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> like almost quite immediately. literally about a witch, yeah. Hmm. I like, I think, oh, is he maybe speaking about someone that he's like met on the way, his life as a rock star? No, I think he is literally singing about a witch. Like, I think yeah, in Witch's just, Valley. That's the thing. Just, Doesn't he sing there's a place in Witch's Valley? Yeah. You guys well, never been to Witch's Valley before? Well, yeah, but what's the big shock there? It's called Witch's Valley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hardly... <laughs> this is like um, like a school project to write a Tolkien-esque. Yeah. Yes. Well, when you have to design a map on grid paper. <laughs> Oh, I used still to love doing that as a kid. That, or what lesson that was for. <laughs> I used to love doing that as a kid. I know, everyone did, that. but what, what, honestly, what a... Well, yeah. Just nice for the teacher to have a bit of time off, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've um, got to put as many mountains as possible in there. Yeah, there's always got to be, like, hidden treasure somewhere on the map. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, Lady Evil, as well, don't you think that it's got... Um... What's her first name? <laughs> 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 Sasha. Sasha Evil. Sasha, Sasha Evil. Sasha Lady Evil. Sasha Evil. Yeah, I can hear. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah um, don't you think it's got uh, like an old, an old, old Judas Priest vibe as well? And that kind of the riff uh, and the groove. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's some there's some interesting stuff in this album where if you think about when it comes out and like the band re- reinvents themselves in like 1980 when like the new wave of British heavy metal really <laughs> broke out mm-hmm. and they're on that weird like middle between really sort of pushing the boundaries and doing new stuff, but and also influencing a lot of bands, but also like aping a lot of bands as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's a song, funnily enough, I think it's called uh, it's Die Young, which is like track six on the album, which sounds so much like a Maiden song. So do you know what's really weird? Uh, I think that is probably my favourite on the album. I think I the think very opening yeah. bit of Die Young, like the sort of atmospheric keyboards, wherever it is, honestly, I think it's Die Young, sounds a lot like um, the opening to Stranger to Love. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because it's a funny song. Tony just going back to the well as many times as mm. possible. <laughs> but uh, Die Young's a really good song. Um, yeah. I could see Ozzy singing that one as well. I, I think. See, I, couldn't, I can't imagine Ozzy singing it, but I can imagine Bruce Dickinson singing it. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're right, actually. Maybe Ozzy doesn't quite have the uh, it's such range. It's a maiden song. Which is, well, uh, we, we realise this album was produced by Martin Birch who um, produced, like, all those classic Maiden albums. Mm. It Starfish? Makes, yeah, makes... Uh, <laughs> wait, Starfish? Martin Starfish Birch, do oh, you remember? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, was this, like, when... God, insider jokes and Maiden, just like... No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, God. annoying. It's, like, when... Um, oh, God, on their first album, Bullet For My Valentine insisted on putting their nicknames in all the credits... And I was like, it's not going to catch on. You're like, you're forcing it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did, yeah. did Matt Tuck give himself a nickname? I imagine if he did, I bet... Like, he seems like, like what? the sort of person who'd give himself a nickname. Yeah, Completely, you've got, like, yeah. Padge, you've got Moose. I imagine, what, he's going to put, like, Matt Massive Cock Tuck. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine yeah. him doing, oh, it'll catch on, it'll catch on. Oh, yeah. don't, don't you worry, don't you worry, boys. Don't you worry, don't you worry. <laughs> um, yeah, um... <laughs> Pulling out all the accents on this one, chaps. <laughs> really go for it, aren't we? Yeah. Um, but yeah, also, uh, title track, Heaven and Hell. Like, I think this might be... It's kind of sad in the way that, like, obviously with Dio passing as well, that you, you do kind of have these, like, two areas of the band and, like, never the twain should meet, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, I remember um, a few years ago... Well, it would have been more than 10 years ago now, so a few years ago, because Dio passed away 10 years ago. But they did a reunion of this lineup who did this album, uh, but they couldn't call it Black Sabbath for various copyright reasons. So they ended up just calling it Heaven and Hell and did a tour of the Heaven and Hell yeah. era Sabbath of us, and then did a new album also called Heaven and Hell, which was like pretty well received as well. Mm. Uh, and it makes me wonder like, if they should have just called the band Heaven and Hell from the start. That's what Zach Ward says about this album. Oh. <laughs> You got a quote for us, and can you do it in a Zach Wilde accent? No, I don't know what he sounds like. To be honest, he sounds exactly like he looks like. Uh, he's he's got uh, he's got a, like a real strong like New Jersey accent. What I feel what? like I feel like, well, he's like, like, like he's totally southern. He's he's got there's yeah there's a real kind of like Long Island New Jersey like the, to, if any Americans listening they're probably thinking like they sound nothing alike, but we're English and we <laughs> we don't we don't hear much difference. Oh, he's actually from New Jersey. Hey, there you yeah. go. Well, the quote's gone now from wherever it was. I can't find no. it now. Um, no, no I, I know what you mean. I think I was I was looking it up earlier. And but it's he was really weird. Of, yeah, he was saying that like yeah, he he loves it, but like it's yeah, they should have just called it. If if he'd heard it and not, it didn't have the Sabbath name. He wouldn't have uh, oh, I found it. questioned it. Oh God, go for it. Uh, Get your New Jersey accent on then. <laughs> do no. it Tony Soprano style. I can do it. 
uh but no i I can't do uh tony soprano i've tried before Uh, do you like a paulie d from jersey shore no shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) paulie d wait is he going which one's he he might be he's he might be right that one yeah paulie d's he's great i still i love that show only because (laughs) i've never seen that whole episode but there's a guy who calls himself a situation which is just (laughs) that's really funny uh, oh, Paulie D's one with the big hair. Right, got you. All right, cheers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I put, you listen to Black Sabbath for any James Deere in it, and it's not Black Sabbath. They should have just called it Heaven and Hell right from the beginning because you listen to that Heaven and Hell album, but it doesn't sound anything close to Black Sabbath. Uh, I mean, this is a long quote, Christ. That sounds <laughs> about as much like Black Sabbath as Blizzard of Oz sounds like Black Sabbath, which we'll find out about in a minute. Uh, if you would have... Play Black Sabbath for me. I'm a huge Black Sabbath freako. <laughs> Just a freako. And then Sorry, with Father Dio, he calls him Father Dio. With Father Dio over there, I'd be going, oh, God, this is not interesting. Right? It's just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you had to change that world. There's a reason he, uh, he just sticks to playing guitar, I think. Um, you're, you're, what you just did then is my reaction to everything he puts up on like Instagram. Have you seen any God. of his videos? Or... Oh, no, I don't follow Fuck that. No <laughs> wonder I don't know what he sounds like. <laughs> Fall asleep. Freako. God, that quote, I honestly didn't realise how long it was going <laughs> to go on for. Like, honestly, there's probably over half left of what I've read of it. A lot of rambling about anything to actually Very say. Very long, rambly way of saying we should have called it Heaven and Hell because it's really cool, but it doesn't sound like Sabbath. There you go. <laughs> nailed it yeah uh lewis um again i'm really interested to get your a lot of your take on this because see Dan and i are sort of like big fans of this record and this mm-hmm. is kind of a bit of a new one for you uh what were some of the standouts like uh you know uh what do you think of like heaven and hell lonely is the word stuff like that like did anything like really grab you at all so for uh, for a lot of this album I was kind of, uh, like, bored. If I'm if I'm completely honest, but but I think it's just it's something that I would need to be in the mood for. I mm. think whereas with like a lot of Sabbath songs, it's stuff that I know really well. It's just big riffs, you're straight in. That mm. it doesn't take any thinking, right? It's just like yeah, fucking go for this. This does feel. Um, I, t- I think it's really well put together. I think Dio's voice is on fucking fire. I think he sounds amazing with these guys as well. I think mm. they play off each other really, really well. There's a few like really standout tracks. Neon Nights, I loved. Um, Children of the Sea starts with the exact same uh, vocal part from Hotel California. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it does. It? <laughs> um, yep. I've always thought that. It, it's, yeah. I think I, I preferred on this one, I think I preferred a lot of the kind of more straight up like rockers mm-hmm. uh, so die young was great the guitaring in heaven and hell is so good i love that big solo break like anytime that tony iomi just gets to tony iomi all over stuff yeah i'm into it <laughs> um was it walk away as well that i liked yes yeah that one actually it again, was was it jim yeah 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 but like, so, <laughs> well <laughs> i know you better you know yourself lewis uh, i've been saying it for years um that track actually reminded me a little bit of like earlier Def Leppard, funnily enough, in terms of like the guitar style, like Pyromania okay. era, a okay. little bit before that. Like it definitely, the riffing in it, I don't know a thing about it. it. It had like a bit of a, um, 
not quite hair metal, but it had that like real 80s rock kind of energy to it. You mm. can tell that it's moving into those times, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, no, but like, genuinely, I, I think it's I think it's a good album. Um, I, I just think that maybe it's not... I think because some of the latest Sabbath stuff without Ozzy that I've heard has been way more... Uh, like straight out, like, do you know um, Turn Up The Night? Mm. Like, oh my God, do I love that song. Uh, love that song. Do you know Lost Forever? I don't know that one, though. It's no. so sick. And it's maybe some of my favourite Tony Iommi playing ever. So I think I was kind of expecting that. And this, it's, it just feels, it's really strange. It's, it's, it's two things that I quite like put together and I'm, I think I find it confusing. It's it's interesting that you, you kind of realize like actually as a songwriter Tony Omi was writing for the singer. Yes, he wasn't. He he was he, he had a style of music, but like that style of music was completely defined by like the singer. And for Ozzy, he was writing a very specific style of music for Ozzy. And for Dio, he's he he's writing. I mean, again, it's funny because he started recording this album with Ozzy or writing with Ozzy, but it wasn't going anywhere. And it came together obviously when they brought in Dio. And it's like, yeah, maybe he's just one of those guys, like he's he's a songwriter and he has that uncanny gift just to be able to write for his definitely. vocalist. I can't imagine Ozzy on this, for the most part. I, I, there's a few tracks where I definitely can. Um, but I think then you hear what Dio's brought to the table and like I don't think that Ozzy could do like, <laughs> what Dio was doing. No. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I think I it's, like... it's a solid album as well, actually. Mm. I think that all of the tracks are kind of on par with each other. It's consistent, isn't it? Yeah. Especially the pressure on them to do an album without Ozzy Osbourne. Um, yeah. I yeah. feel like it's really good when you compare it in that way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same. Like, I I, I think I think this album, uh, in many ways, is, it's kind of becoming, like, obviously, you're coming from a different perspective, but I think, in general, this album seems to be really highly regarded uh, and reevaluated over the years um, to the point where, like, I think it it sits in a lot of people's like top five, even top three Sabbath albums. Like for me, I'd probably put it like Paranoid, Master of Reality, and maybe Heaven and Hell. Like that's how how highly I think of this album. Mm. But at the same cool. time, it it's such a different beast, isn't it? It's made me want to check out more more of the Dio era stuff. Uh, well, you're kind of sure. look, which is a good did, sign. He did two out. Al- did three albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think um, yeah, I'm, I'm being I'm being hard on it. I think it's not it's not boring. Uh, it just didn't grab me quite as much as other things. Sure, mm. I think that's fair. And I'd say it's safe to say that we we're also kind of listening to it alongside maybe one of your kind of favourite records, right? Or his well, favourite. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to give the game away, but I definitely prefer yeah. one of these albums to the other. <laughs> Which one could it be? Yeah, uh, Dan. Uh, any kind of closing thoughts on this album? Uh, no, I really like it. For me, it's f- kind of front heavy. Like I prefer the first half to the second half. Um, lyrics aside, um, <laughs> I also think it's worth saying. It, I think it's a much better album than um, the last Sabbath album with Ozzy. Um, Never say die. I was it's better than the last maybe three or four. Yeah. I think technical ecstasy isn't very good either. And no. um sabotage is a weird one. Um uh, But no, I really what? like it. And also I think this is a really good album and I think 
it must have been quite depressing being a Sabbath fan back then, having this and it it works really well. And then the slow sort of just descent afterwards uh, <laughs> of different singers. And I think at one point they released an album, but it's, I think a seven star is called Black yeah. Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi on the cover yeah. rather than just Black Sabbath, which is bizarre. That's one with Strange to Love on it. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. That's why I know it so well. But um, God, Strange <laughs> to Love. That's him, isn't it? That's just... I think he wrote it as a solo album. Yeah. And the, the label album cover is asked... him, like, in a desert. leather jacket. Yeah. It's a bit like Joshua Tree, but just but Tony Iommi on his own. <laughs> he just had to release the song, Strange... No Stranger to Love. He just couldn't. Oh, my God. I have such a soft spot for that song, though. I love it. Mainly because of how absolutely absurd the lyrics are. But That's yeah. Glenn Hughes singing on that one. Yeah. Which is, again, Glenn, why I've got a soft spot Glenn for Glenn Hughes is brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah, incredible voice. It's a very well-made song. It's just absolutely insane to think about the lyrics was was glenn hughes also in rainbow um, um probably, probably. Like, we've we've been in Honestly, rainbow at some point he I was think in, everybody he, he was in deep purple he was in the i mean man, i'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna quote wikipedia here he was in the mark like like fucking iron man suits of armor he was in the mark three and mark four lineups of deep purple <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> uh, absolutely crazy on yeah the thing endure the thing kind of i guess it's funny like sab just this enduring thing right that like only only has kept it going you know come mm. hell or high water mm-hmm. uh in some way um but i i can only imagine it must have irked them to see not irked them but to see ozzy just his complete tearaway success after that right um i will just say in case you're wondering about the dio era it didn't last very long they did one more album called mob rules then they part a live album and then he left because there was an argument over how high his vocal should be in the mix on the live album and they would keep going back and forth to the studio at night in secret and remixing the album and turning up the vocals or turning them down turning up the guitar why do we think rock stars are cool like <laughs> there's so many stories like this she's like what the fuck are you playing at yeah i think dear <sighs> might have had a bit of a chip on his shoulder about replacing ozzy and how loved ozzy was yeah, um, maybe. And he's probably got Napoleon syndrome as well. I think, so. Yeah, mm. that's it. Complex. Yeah. <laughs> so, guess what? Six months later, Ozzy comes out with an album, uh, "Blizzard of Oz," released 20th September uh, in the UK, uh, and basically has like immediate huge success with it. Um, this was a funny album as well because, like, it sounds like both Ozzy's "Blizzard of Oz" album. And Sabbath Heaven and Hell were like quite difficult recordings in one way or another. Um, with Heaven and Hell, it sounds like basically everyone in Sabbath had like fucked off apart from Tony and Dio. Like Dio was even playing was playing bass on the album at one point as well. Um, and they you know had issues with like the drummer like Bill Ward and Geezer Geezer Butler was going through a divorce, so he wasn't Geezer. about. It sounds like Ozzy kind of had a bit of a tricky time putting this one together but partly on account of his sobriety or lack thereof. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But also there's quite a bit of controversy regarding like the, uh, you know, the, who was credited with what on the album. Um, The initial pitch was that they were going to call the band, the Blizzard of Oz Mm -hmm. featuring Ozzy Osbourne. And then when the album actually came out, it was in big writing, Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz. So it looked like it was, is solo, you know, is a solo act and the name of the band. On 
re-release of the album. Uh, the bass and drum tracks have been re-recorded. Uh, there's people who say they were never credited for bits and pieces that they wrote of it. Yeah. And yet, when it all comes together, you've kind of got another classic, right? Also, like, thank fuck they didn't call the band Blizzard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have got old very quickly. <laughs> it's like the B-sharps. Yeah, yeah exactly. the, more you, <laughs> the more you say it, the less funny it is. Um, B-sharps. <laughs> so, uh, Lewis, um, do, you, just, do, you know, do you guys know, know the joke behind the B-sharps? Uh, it was a parody of the Beatles. No. Is it not a real note? It's not a real note, it's C. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. That's quite cool. I yeah, think I learned they... that from a, one of the many commentaries I'm sure I've watched of the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lewis, uh, do you want to give us, because like, this feels like it's a big album for you, so do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Uh, yeah. Um, the first six tracks of this album are absolutely incredible. And yes. Then there are also some more songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, in the same way that Heaven and Hell might be a little bit front-loaded. This I don't, album I don't is think... also very front loaded. No, I think that you know, um, you know, when you're like creating a character and you're sorting out your stats and you've only got so many points to use. Mm. I think on uh, Heaven and Hell, they use them fairly evenly across, so they've got a nice, well-rounded mm. character. Whereas on this one, maybe they've got just this unbelievably uh, muscular, uh, <laughs> like charismatic guy with just zero intelligence or something like that. Do you know what I mean, like it's it's super. I think the the good tracks are a lot better. I think they're amazing, and then the others are just there. Are also there, yeah, yeah. But the, um, but the, play, the playing on it's just great all the way through. Yeah, all the way through. That stands out even on the lesser tracks. It it, just, yeah, they still sound great, and yeah. So uh, yeah, just to run through that track listing again. Uh, track one, I don't know. Incredible. Um, yeah, we've got Crazy Train, which is just everyone knows that song without even knowing it. You know, partly because of the Osborne's TV show and the Office. Uh, <laughs> and the Office, yeah. Goodbye to Romance, <laughs> which is again a top Aussie ballad. Like obviously, he loves. He loves his like Beatles and he always yeah. tries to get like his Beatles-esque sort of ballad in there. Um, got D, which is like a little interlude, but Suicide Solution and Mr. Crowley, oh. absolute mm. classics. Then you get to the back end and it's No Bone <laughs> Movies. Uh, Revelation Mother Earth, where Ozzy is kind of like an eco-warrior, like a Dave Angel type. <laughs> um, and then there's <laughs> Steal Away the Night, which is just like a kind of rocking finisher. Um, I always forget about Steal Away the Night. And, so and, and you, and you looking at song. me, looking at you. Oh, that's like a bonus track, apparently. Oh, is yeah. it? Yeah, re- that's a reissue. Yeah. Song. Bloody Spotify yeah. will only let you listen to the, the forty set or seventy with, version. I think the Blue album has like sixty tracks on it at one point. Uh, <laughs> if you want to listen to that, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I um, always think you looking at me, looking at you is on the album because of because of Spotify and how many times I've heard it now. Yeah, no, it's uh, that that's a bonus uh, tune. Mm. Um, it's. So let's start off. I don't know. Uh, Perfect opener. Yeah. I think right? it's so good. I, I fucking love that song. It's just such a good like opening statement for the album. Uh, and the riff's great and the way it builds yeah. up. I'd love it. I just think it sets the scene for what you're about to mostly get into. It also kind of starts to paint the picture of like, or really starts to define like Ozzy as like a personality. Like, if you think about what he's like with Sabbath, and Sabbath is singing all sorts, you know, but obviously mm. about a lot of, like, drug usage, but, like, 
are singing like doom and gloom and like uh you know war and crazy you know all sorts of stuff um some trippy stuff whereas you get here it's also just going yeah the war's crazy i don't know i'm crazy too that's how it kind of goes yeah um and it's it's quite interesting like seeing like what we think of as like the Aussie personality today kind of forming on this album and kind of starting to be defined. Uh, Lewis, what do you reckon? I think it's an absolute blistering opening. I think like one of the, like one of the things about Randy Rhodes as well is that he just had such a unique sound. Um, Mm. doesn't sound like any other guitarists in like, just in his tone. Um, I think as well, I think part of it is that he was, I feel like a lot of the guitars on this were like quad tracked, uh, which is where you record like the same part four times and just mm. stack it on top of each other. So to do, to, I think we spoke about it before, but to do that well, you have to play it like fucking perfectly four times or badly mm. four times in exactly the same way. <laughs> um, as long as it's identical, it's time. <laughs> you've got to have yeah. it matched up, haven't you? So <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, so all, all the leads on this are double tracked. So it's just got that really big meaty sound and when when the guitars come in on this it doesn't sound like anyone else right and even and now what 40 years later it's just like if you think of the Ozzy Osbourne guitar sound probably that yeah yeah it's because like I think uh, even with like his um his stuff with Zach Wild, I don't think of that as the Ozzy guitar so I think of that as the Zach Wild guitar sound yeah. whereas I don't think of whereas i think the randy rose guitar sound and the ozzy osbourne guitar sound is synonymous yeah it was like i think he was kind of like trying to chase that sound with the other guitarists he got until he got to zach and then it kind of then he you know he it almost like took on a different style playing mm. it just sense. sounds so good man it sounds so good yeah and um, i think and this track two uh crazy train it's one of those it's one of those ones as well that it's so easy to dismiss or undermine how good it is because of how often it's played and how yeah. often you've heard it. But I actually don't think I ever get bored of hearing that song, ever. No, it's a classic, isn't it? It's timeless. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, w- when you hear that, that uh, opening riff, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, it's just, it, it just it gets you a little bit hype. And it, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really fun song, though. That's the thing. I think well, that's it, it's, like... in a, it's in a major key. The whole thing's in A major. Mm, okay which is your, your happy chords which, ah, is, so, go, which is the opposite of metal right so like <laughs> sabbath almost everything was like as minor and gloomy as possible mm. uh, and then this is completely dead dead yeah yeah it's definitely more of like the ozzy osbourne's life is completely out of control um <laughs> yeah <laughs> But that, kind of that riff, man, I mean, that's surely, that is in the top 10 riffs of all time, bar none. Well, which one? Because I would say like the do 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 That one, that. But yeah. then there's also the... You know, it's, the main verse riff is also incredible as it's well. It's great. It's great. Uh, and and, and that, that style of playing as well, that... If you listen to so much 80s rock even if you listen to the jakey lee stuff like um bark at the moon that like pedal note that you've got yeah like yeah every, everyone ripped on that man uh do, yeah it's it, it it it's also he does like the we talked about earlier like the eddie van halen thing of like just gonna fit as many little guitar licks everywhere as i can 
just fill just, in the space. Just fill out the sound. Just, just feel the space, yeah. Just, just feel the space. Um, also, Goodbye to Romance as well. This was apparently the very first song they wrote for this album, funnily enough. Um, and it was about, I mean, with Ozzy, I don't know how many of the lyrics he actually wrote. I'm going to say very little based on what everyone else says. But it's funny because obviously all of the lyrics seem incredibly personal to him. So again, it's people writing for him and seem to know him very well. But Goodbye to Romance is apparently about him just looking at life post Black Sabbath and saying goodbye I, to I, I his friends and that. Do you reckon? Yeah, I, th- I think ev- everyone wants their piece of, of the action. It's really easy to slag off someone when they're that much of like like we said earlier like an institution mm-hmm. i think it's really easy to start trying to pick away and see what what nuggets you can get from it right mm. um like i know in in sabbath he didn't write lyrics but like i think he wrote a lot of his lyrics simply because some of them are really fucking stupid yeah <laughs> there's a noticeable difference between the lyrics he's singing solo and what he was singing of sabbath so that tracks really yeah yeah um Either way, like obviously this is uh, yeah. Well, that's but I think that's one of the things about this album, which is obviously controversial because like it, in a way it doesn't really matter because like the music's great, the album's great. You know, it's it's a very influential record. Great cover, a great cover as well. Such a cover. good cover, the best two, cover. Bo- both of these albums, have both albums, covers, are two of my favourite covers. Yeah, of all time. Heaven yeah. Hell, we'll obviously post them on the Instagram page uh, onto Facebook stuff like that. But um, mm. yeah, two absolutely fantastic album covers. Um, but I was gonna say, like, um, lost my train of lost my crazy train of thought there. <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, no, completely gone. Sorry, done. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> We're talking about Ozzy writing his own songs, writing, oh, yeah. writing his own lyrics or not? Well, yeah. yeah, because I, I only sort of say that because um, if you look at like later albums, like I know on one he got Geezer Butler in to write lyrics for it, and like Lemmy was writing lyrics for him by the time. Um, uh, no more tears came around. Like uh, Lemmy wrote "Man Around Coming Home," and he also wrote uh, the title track "No More Tears." And I think he also wrote, and he wrote "Hellraiser" as well. I don't think um, I knew that. That's really I didn't interesting. Know that. Yeah, because Motorhead had their own version of "Hellraiser," which I released yeah, a couple which years I've later. Heard that one, yeah. which yeah. is cool, but it's not not quite. It's a different. It's a different kind of thing. Um, it's, it's obviously it's like way dirtier and grimier. Yeah, um, of course. But. Uh, yeah, so I, I wonder, like, obviously how much of it, you know, and also he was a bit of a wreck at the time, so I, I, I do wonder, but it's obviously it's a bit of a weird one because I think there were a lot of people involved in the record, like from yeah. early songwriting to in, to recording in the studio. And yeah, and I, think, definitely I think that anything, like I think anything that he did right was probably very collaborative. Yes. Do you yeah, know what completely. I mean? Yeah, I always get the impression that he's like a. It's always been like a collaborative mm-hmm. artist. Uh, he's always someone who just wants to work with people who kind of capture the mood that he's in at the time, stuff like that. Uh, to put where like you know that's why he's working with like Rick Wakeman's son writing a record and stuff like that. It's just it works with Lemmy and I think like maybe like at one point I think like Dave Grohl may have written a song for him and stuff like that. So yeah, I think he's. I, it's like a lot of uh, those like iconic singers, you know, they always have some really good talent wanting to come along and write songs for them. Um, next, we got a controversial one. Suicide Solution. Oh, we got D. Okay. 
Yeah, D, it's weird because it's, it's only it's like a little interlude that just kind it's of um, little little Randy Rhodes piece. Yeah, it's just really nice. Uh, is that after his mum, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Just a nice Aww. little break in pace, isn't it? Before yeah, suicide solution immediately punches you in the face. Oof. How do you guys feel about this one? Oh, what a what a fucking song! It's great. <laughs> you can tell Ozzy wrote the lyrics for this one. I mean, famously he did because he had to <laughs> defend it. He had to defend it in court, yeah. didn't he? But you can tell he wrote these lyrics uh, based on kind of they're clever, but they're also really stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I dude, I I love this song. I think it's, it's got it's got one of those uh, you know in films where someone will walk into like a saloon and everyone will just stop and look at look at the cowboy kind of walking on in <laughs> and there's just such a fucking like it's a real BDE that comes with that right <laughs> that is the opening of this song as soon Swagger. as it kicks in you're just like who is this yes mm. um, apparently the line wine is fine but whiskey's quicker it's like the opening line lyrics for um, Suicide Solution uh, came to Aussie, uh, but it wasn't a reflection on suicide, but actually it was about um, Bon Scott's death. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, then Bob Daisley wrote, who wrote the majority of the song's lyrics, and stated that Aussie's own substance abuse and issues were in mind when he composed the song. Uh, but yeah, this, this song resulted in a court case mm. um, after, a, uh, after a depressed teenager had uh, committed suicide allegedly after listening to the song and uh, the boy's mm. parents sued Ozzy and CBS Records for encouraging self-destructive behaviour in young persons who are especially susceptible to dangerous influences. It's just very sad, isn't it? And, so. mm. and there was, uh, part of it was to do with subliminal messaging. I thought that was Judas Priest better by you There's, than me. So there's there's been a bunch of stuff out around um i don't know if it was part of that court case or what um or if they were just like scratch i don't know where it's come from there's always been a thing that aussie shouts um like get the gun and shoot in it which it does sound like um and he had to kind of like come out because they, they kept having all these things come out about it and he had to come out and say no he's actually shouting get your flaps out <laughs> <laughs> Which, well, we'll get onto that uh, <laughs> in a couple of tracks' time, to be honest. Yeah, I think we talked about it on like the, the Judas Priest episode, but like, yeah, when Rob Halford just played a record back, and I think he just said, what was Would you it? like the, a peppermint? Would you like a peppermint? Yeah, yeah you yeah. kind of hear whatever you want in there. And mm. I think also, like, obviously, like, grief is just such a terrible thing. And I think when processing that, and you can't, it's hard to comprehend you know what's happened it's very yeah, easy you want to then a, something to blame don't you something to point the finger yeah of yeah, yeah and uh to be fair ozzy is someone who you know controversy has never exactly hurt his hurt him has it <laughs> no yeah no, but he's not right. in this he's way all... he's never been like this i would say uh oh, oh yeah this accused is... him of with a song i mean oh totally yeah, yeah that yeah, isn't yeah. anything yeah. he would do oh god no 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 that's yeah. what i mean yeah but um then after this we've got uh Mr. Crowley, which is probably my favourite song on this record. Oh, I was about to say that. It's my favourite track on... It's probably my favourite Ozzy Osbourne song. Uh, it's my favourite track on this album. And I just love it. Is your favourite Ozzy song? I think so. It's cool. a real good Possibly. one. Possibly. 
I mean, he's got a lot of good ones, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, then they sort of drop off. But this one is <laughs> particularly excellent. I just like the subject matter as well. Um, I like how it sounds. Yeah. Um, I just love it. Everything about it is just excellent, isn't it? Nelms, who is Mr. Crowley? He's uh, a school teacher. No, he's an English occultist <laughs> named Alistair Crowley. Uh, he's very sort of iconic for uh, expanded ways of thinking with the mind, I guess, would be one way to put it. And sort of like a very prolific writer and sort of poet and sort of, I don't think he was an alchemist, but he's that sort of level of like <laughs> person, do you know? It's really yeah. hard to and like interview a cult and like magic and yeah, sort of expanding your mind and all that sorts of things. Um, he's perfect for the Osborne song fodder, to be honest. This is like a perfect, yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect marriage of music and uh, topic, I would say. And like obviously experimented with drugs and yeah, I was other say, things. Did, I feel like he kind of, did he popularise like sort of the use of absinthe in terms of a like, you know, as a way to sort of trip out? Or maybe I was thinking of other people, but I, for some reason in my head, I associate Isaac Crowley with also like absinthe um, mm, use. Not sure. It, yeah. it feels right. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, you do. If it, if it feels right, do <laughs> yeah, it. Screw it. Yeah. We're not historians, Jim. <laughs> yeah, he has got a big old Wikipedia page, which That's is probably what I mean. worth it's very a dive down at some point. Yeah. Him. But he's been fascinating. Um, yeah, really interesting. Um, yeah, this is probably one of my favourites as well. Um, I love the way the solo comes in at the end. Man, yep. the guitar work on this song is so good. <laughs> it's so good. This is all it's so good. Go on, let's talk us through it. I can't. It's just really good. Like we, we had this before. Uh I think when I was trying to explain why I loved uh Somewhere in Time by and Maiden so much. I was like, it's mm. just really fucking good. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. when it hits right, it's hard to explain why just listen it's to it. so good. I don't yeah, really yeah. Have to put it. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's a, it's one of those things that you know, I think our some of our uh funnest and dumbest episodes where we're like completely tearing into an album and like on the last couple of recordings we're like yeah this stuff's really good yeah it's awesome we love it you should check it out like <laughs> yeah. no trust us trust us yeah we're not we're not we're not going well, uh, we should actually start really really kind of um heavily promoting just crap albums that like we're really into them like yeah. oh no uh, generation <laughs> yeah. swine it's awesome well, like, like on his travel shows uh anthony bourdain stopped really describing the food he was eating other than what it was that he was eating and if he liked it because it just didn't matter and unless you were actually yeah. experiencing that food yeah it's very hard for him to be really get beyond this delicious i've never had this before this is very unusual you know sort of food um and i think it's like that like you can just go listen to this song and it, it stands out why it's so good there's that's no why one particular element that's you know you can point out i would say yeah. yeah, I mean, you've got like, yeah, it opens with those like very kind of cool, creepy keyboards, mm. and yeah, it's just, it's like, it, it, it's, it is almost like the perfect Aussie song in a way. It's like, you know, Mr. the way his voice comes in, like he sort of drags out the Mister at the yeah. start of it, and then yeah, and it does feel like he's talking to like a, about a kindred spirit in a way. Yeah. It's just like it's like the perfect storm of like music vocals lyrical subject like the way it all comes together uh it's it, you couldn't think of a better topic for like an ozzy osbourne song it's perfect it, it's just yeah i think everything well, lined it, up at once the um 
I imagine that whoever did the cover only listened to that song. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the album art is just like, when I think of that cover, that's the song that I hear. I hear those intro yeah. keyboards. Yeah. And also, yeah, like, Diary of a Madman no as well. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we were saying this album kind of, uh, you know, there's six songs and three others. Uh, no Bone Movies is about porno theatre, right? Yes, I which I wasn't, when I first heard this album, I can't even remember when I first heard it, I never really looked for lyrics or you don't listen to stuff properly. So I assumed it was something to do with horror movies or something like that. That's what I thought when I was younger, yeah. And, but then when you actually look it up, I don't really want to go into the lyrics to be honest, but Too late. The, We're about to the, word gland, the word gland is in there. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, oh. The only real notable thing about this song, other than the fact it's about porno theatres and an addiction to porno theatres, is... Uh, when Ozzy just shouts the word flaps just before the solo. <laughs> <laughs> he goes flaps <laughs> like that. And I, I I actually don't know if I noticed it that much before. And I went back today and listened to it a couple of times and flaps. And then the guitar solo comes in. So I love that because <sighs> you just know And also well. that makes it definitely about porn, yelling the word flaps. That's, that would definitely be Ozzy Osbourne's. <laughs> Yeah, wheelhouse, and, wouldn't it? And you, you know that uh, in, and the same for um, Suicide Solution as well. When there's just him shouting a whole bunch, mm. you know that he is just absolutely bollocks off his face, <laughs> just shouting, just screaming shit in his studio. I mean, that, yeah, it's definitely an improvised flap, isn't it? There's not like a, it's not a premeditated uh, idea. Uh, yeah, he wasn't the, flapping with intent. No, well, the lyrics are Yeah, uh, Voyeur straining in love with his hand. A poisoned passion pulsating gland. Yeah. Uh, here's a weird... Like, here's, here's a weird I don't want the word gland in my songs, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't do it. The guilt tells me why. I just can't stop it. I try and try. X-ray demon that lives in my head. Hungry for bodge. And he wants to be fed. Bodge. What's bodge? bodge. I don't know. But if you're on a work laptop, don't Google it. <laughs> it would be my, uh, would be my idea. Yeah, the, the album kind of gets weird because again, you've, then you've got you've got Ozzy singing about porn, then you go on to Revelation Mother Earth, where he's singing about his fear of like nuclear war. But again, I think the guitar work on um, is it called Mother? No, it's not called Mother, is it? It's what's it called? It's called Revelation think... Mother Earth. I think the guitar sounds absolutely amazing on that track, guys. Yeah, bodging. Is a, tradi- is a traditional wood-turning craft uh, using green wood to make chair legs and other cylindrical parts of the chairs. Oh, genius. Yeah. Okay. You know what? It's really a brilliant clever. song. Yeah, very yeah. clever, yeah. Probably one of the best songs. Flaps. She just, she just called it classy wanking. Yeah. Should have called it... I think she just called it woodwork. <laughs> Bodging the flap. Oh, Jesus. I don't know. Flaps... <laughs> Do I, need, do I need to bleep any of this out? I don't, most of it, but we haven't we haven't done it this far. So I mean, since we started recording any episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, Revelation Mother Earth. Yeah. What What do you think? Because like, obviously, you you weren't too keen on the back half of this album, or it doesn't leave a lasting it's, impression. What do you think, Lewis? I think it's fine. The, the guitar's great in this. That's what I mean. Mm. The lyrics are whatever, but I think the guitar sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's odd hearing. I don't know. Yeah, o- Ozzy is like a sort of Dave Angel eco warrior, <laughs> or like a kind of band the bomb, or like you know, 
raising awareness of the threat of nuclear weapons isn't quite seem think, right, does it? Nobody listened to him. I don't know. I think there's actually, I think this is the most Black Sabbath one on the record. Interesting. And it's I, a good and song. Weirdly, it's got a weird melody to it. It's it's really int- it is a good tune. It's just yeah. I, I it's, think it's the most Black Sabbath. I I could also imagine it being on Heaven and Hell and being sung by Dio. It's weird. Oh, absolutely, it's yeah. really strange. But I th- I think it's definitely got Sabbathy vibes in it for sure. Uh, it, I think that Ozzy tried really hard to hit that first note. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you can tell he's really into this one, can't you? Um, it's. It's odd, yeah. It's like it's the only song on. Like, you can tell this album he's working really hard to kind of get away from Sabbath mm-hmm. and do his own thing. And this is the track which is most Sabbath esque. But yeah, maybe I don't know. It, maybe it's one that works. Oh, actually, I don't know. No bone movies. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. by the end that, of this, that's going to be no, our favorite no song. No bone movie feels like the most Aussie songs. It's the cheekiest song. It's, no it's very cheeky, movies. Jim. Yeah, very, very cheeky. In his defence, it is cheeky. (laughs) Uh, And then last track on it, Steal Away the Night. Really cool riffs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really remember it until it's on, if I'm honest, but it's fine. I think Ozzy sounds good on it as well. I just think when you look at the songs that have come before it, it's not surprising that it doesn't stand out, but it's not a bad song, it's just... Like, I, ca- I can't imagine a Aussie set where he doesn't play at least the first, you know, if we don't count the song, because it's not a full song, yeah, but like the first six songs or whatever, first five uh-huh. or six songs yeah. of the album, like you can't imagine him doing a live set about playing stuff off of this off that record. No, absolutely In the back not. half, if you went and you went, oh, Aussie played no Bone movies, you'd be like, <laughs> oh. Also, just call him like- Bone movies is... <laughs> Oh, we haven't got time. But like, what what did he drop to play No Bone movies? It's like, oh, well, he didn't play Bark at the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> he just had to yell out the word flaps. <laughs> I mean, if if we ever get to see him now, I, I think now there's going to be part of me that's just holding out, like, please play No Bone movies. I I'm going to look up his set when I saw him at Ozfest way back in the <laughs> yeah. day. Uh, I think so, it was 2002 because yeah. I'm an old man. Uh, yeah, it was 2002. Uh, I'm just going to have a look for the set list if you want to fill in. Uh, yeah, no, I'm also looking at Ozzy Osbourne's set list. Uh, yeah, was Oz- uh, okay, so he did when I saw him. No Bone Movies, followed by Bone No Movies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, he didn't do. He did all the classics you can imagine. So he started off with I Don't Know, uh, which I remember. Then he went into Warpigs, which is a very... Oh, um... Yeah. But according to this, he played Warpigs twice, which I can't quite imagine, but... I don't. I don't think he realised he did either. <laughs> yeah, it, I think that was a mistake. Oh, no. <laughs> not, not not on whoever wrote the set list on Aussie. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm looking at like his. Uh, oh man, see, I'm looking at his set list from do- download 2018. He did like Bark at the Moon, Mr. Crowley. I don't know. Fairies wear boots. Suicide Solution. No more tears. Road to nowhere. War pigs. Then they do a instrumental medley. Mm-hmm. like Miracle Man, Crazy Babies, Desire and Perry Mason. They're drum solo, so he takes a bit of a break. And then I Don't Want to oh. Change the World, Shot in the Dark, Crazy Train. Then an encore. Then Mamma, I'm Coming Home and Paranoid. Oh, then wow. the, the closing track, as the, you know, just like the, on the, played over the PA, is him and Kelly Osbourne's version of Changes. <laughs> <laughs> Perry Mason's a great song now. It's great. Yeah, I feel like this album, like, 
honestly, if there's like one criticism of like a lot of his solo stuff, he has a blueprint and he follows it pretty closely across his career. Like in terms like lyrically and oh, yeah, musically 100%. in terms of tone, right? Mm. And I feel like he definitely like this may be just the Aussie albums I'm listening to, but like you listen to say um like No More Tears and like structurally they're just really similar. Like I just feel like, you know, not the actual song No More Tears, but like the the whole vibe of the album, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just yeah, he's just kind of updating this one record every ten years or so to uh various degrees of success, you know. I think I think as well, like Aussies, I mean, like this album's amazing. This album's mm. really, really good. Like mm-hmm. those other track, the the last kind of three on it are fine tracks. There's nothing wrong with them. If they came they're out really by anyone good. else, they're, then, they're, they're yeah. great songs. It's just the fact that like it's it's always difficult when you've got like an album where like you talk about like um, the Black album, right? You go, oh yeah, that's a classic album, start to finish. But no one's going struggle within. Yeah, it's the greatest Metallica song of all time. Yeah. It's like no. it's on the it's record, banger, right? It is a banger, but like, <laughs> y- y- your mind doesn't immediately go there when you think the Black Album, you know. No, Save It Through the Never, I just... No. I love that one. Nope. Oh. It's the only song of that album I can't get on board with. Any, <laughs> any other album, it would be a standout, but on that one, just like, eh, get, get to the others. Anyway, we'll do that one day. But I think with, um, with Ozzy, like, from that point, most of his albums uh, will have a few just really good tracks and by really I don't mean like just good for Ozzy Osbourne I mean like all-timers amazing Mm. all-timers yeah Yeah. and then the rest is maybe a bit fillery um but then at the same time if you were to do a greatest hits for Ozzy definitely a two cd era isn't it oh definitely it's definitely it's definitely a double disco you'd be you'd be sport for choice for a lot of and that's not even including sabbath stuff yeah exactly would you call the best of sport for choice (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i would call (laughs) who's it who's it is it spinal tap your second album is this called like a second helping oh i can't remember he might Might be be. yeah um i was gonna say because um on um diary of a madman the follow-up album to this because again this is so weird but like the dio era and the randy rhodes era of each band was just so short-lived just two albums you know obviously Dio left due to a bit more of an ego kind of thing. But uh, Ozzy, yeah, obviously um, Randy Rose tragically passed away uh, in a plane crash uh, when he almost flew into Ozzy's tour bus. He didn't want to go on. He didn't want to go on the... Nope, it's terrible. Hated flying. Absolutely hated flying. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Tragic. He's kind of pushed into it uh, when a bunch of the, the roadies and that were getting super drunk. It's a shame. I don't mean like physically someone like pushed him on yeah, and set them up. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What a legacy he leaves behind though. I um, know. So, right. We'll, we'll wrap this up here. I think two pretty damn good albums from the, uh, from the Birmingham boys. The, uh, the boys from Brum. Um, Dan, if you had to pick between one of the two, which would it be? Um, Blizzard of Oz, I think. Um, Lewis. You'd oh, be happy either. I'd just say you, you can't go wrong either, really, if you want something nice to listen to, but Blizzard of Oz is just iconic, isn't it? Lewis, which one would you go for? It's no no contest for me. It's Blizzard of Oz. Shit, okay. And obviously, uh, my vote counts for four, so I would go with <laughs> Heaven and Hell. So the winner of our first really? ever Slow We Rock face-off is... No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably go with... Yeah, it's a tough one for me. I, I, I think yeah. I'd prefer Heaven and Hell. 
but I think I also forgot how much I love Blizzard of Oz. Yeah. Yeah, I think I took it. It's an album I took for granted, and like I've had such. I've listened to it maybe twice this week and just had a great time. Yeah, I've had it a lot this week. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. wonderful. I've just listened to No Bones movies on repeat. All yeah, week. that's all you need. Just flaps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of flaps, I guess we have to like flap our hands goodbye because this has been it's been a long one. <laughs> Nailed it. I hate this. Uh, you guys can't see it, but we're, we're on a video call now, and Jim is just just flapping, flapping that hand. That's a way of waving. Cooey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this is good. Good visual gag. <laughs> I've enjoyed this though. This this is this has been good fun. Yeah, it's been a while since we've like really nerded out head over. To head. Obviously, we've we did the Van Halen episode recently, but it's a while since we've actually nerded out over an album albums that we actually like. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means just for the balance of things, we kind of need to do some shit talking about a record scene. Yeah, yeah, I, yes. It's it's uh, it's so much easier uh, for us <laughs> to talk about things that aren't very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, no, I'd like to move away from Death Island for a bit, but yeah, there's probably a real <laughs> shit album. That we need to cover. Um, Do you know what? I'm I, open wish, to suggestions. I wish I remember what songs they were, but it's been two or three times this week I've been listening to Planet Rock and a song's been on. I mean, I've been really surprised at the end when the DJ's gone, da 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 da, Def Leopard. And I've been like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. It's all like the 90s stuff. I was like, what on earth is that? <laughs> it's what they can get the rights to on uh, Planet Rock now. <laughs> it's a lot it's Luke, cheaper. Jarelli has got his own radio show on there. Is it him playing it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> freestyling it. <laughs> but no, anyway. this, this has been loads of fun. Um, and I really hope that you've enjoyed listening. Uh, if you've got any thoughts about either of these albums, if you think that we are complete lunatics mm. uh, for pitting Aussie for the most part over heaven and hell, uh, let us know. You can get in touch with us uh, via slowlyrock at gmail.com. We are on Instagram, where we are at slowlyweRockPodcast. Uh, we're on Twitter, on Facebook, we are just at slowlyrock. Get in touch, give us a shout. Um, it's always, always absolutely wonderful to hear from folk. Uh, and I'd love to get some some opinions on uh, on these albums. Or, any, or any, any interesting, juicy little tidbits that we didn't know about. Yeah, absolutely. It's always um, fun. It's always fun to do a learn. There's so much trivia of these albums. There's probably going to be something which we completely missed. There's but, one um, thing in it. There is one thing we've missed massively about Blizzard, but we can't get into now. But it would be a whole lot, a whole episode's worth. But look up, we'll just look up on Wikipedia. There's a whole thing about how it got re-recorded and people oh, got yeah. shafted out of parts, and it, it's mad. It's pretty wild. It's a, it's a wild ride. It's a crazy train. Yep. It's a crazy hey. train. Yeah. But no, thank you so, so much for listening. It's been a yeah. joy. Um, Thanks if, for listening, guys. If you've enjoyed what you've heard as well, recommend it to a friend. It's always We're all locked down at the moment. It's always nice for a friend to reach out and say, hey, do you miss the sound of human voices? Do you want to hear mm. three that you've never heard before? Uh, <laughs> talking about crap that you really don't care about? You're in luck. Um, just just, just give, us, give us a little share. It goes a long Just way. take your friend's phone and go on their podcast <laughs> app and add us. Yeah, Bono Bono yes, it. exactly. Install, totally. <laughs> install all of our work to their phone without consent. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> we'll call it the U3. That's it. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> all right, guys, thank you so, so much. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>